and this morning, you know, I'll briefly talk about uh, a word I believe will bless us, and most importantly, you know, it's it's God calling us to a reminder that He's here for serious business. Amen. Amen. You know, we've always thought seriousness is at workplace, and everyone is without seriousness, you know. But I will probably tell you that even the unbelievers, they would know that God is a serious man. Not because he's sending unbelievers to hell. That's not the seriousness. The seriousness is that he's, he's focused to achieving everything that he has said. You know, he's focused. You know, I mean, for God to really say not a jot of his word will go unfulfilled. Even a king, when a king decrees, he ensures that that decree works out. He would deploy resources. He would deploy emissaries. He would deploy his guys to ensure. So the, the word, you know, when you just hear, okay, the reason why maybe a king today might decrease on is because he's not making any effort to ensuring that thing comes to pass. A king can still be, you know, they always say, the king in the olden days, they were revered. Nobody dared talk to the king in the olden days. No, no. Not much is different. But what has changed is we still have kings and they still make decrees, but there's no deployment to ensure it comes to pass. There's no enough resources. Like, is either the authority is limited or it's either there's no... You know, there's some kings that are poor. I mean, like, you that you're in Lagos, you are, you are enjoying more than uh, the royal majesty of one, one place. And so, God is a serious man. And um, if, if, if you've ever thought of him not to be serious, please know that he's serious. <laughs> you know, God is intentional. Um, God is not a, um, he's not a soothsayer. Or someone who has sweet mouth. Like, he will just sweet talk you and talk you, talk you, and you're gone. And then your reality just brings you back again. No, no, no. When, whenever God says a thing, trust me, uh, resources have been deployed. You know, the word we heard this morning, you know, if you probably you are thinking that God, where will I find a mentor? For that word to have come out. Um, they've removed you from the list of people who will be without counsel. Mm. That's, that's what I've just, I mean, that's mm. an example of what I'm saying. For you to have heard that word, and you're trusting God to do that word, um, you, would, you, you, know, you would find yourself consistently in the front you know, of privileged advices. Mm. You know, God will be bringing, because you've heard that word, which is God's word. Resource, you know, because you probably say, oh, I've heard the word around advice now. And, um, you know, I know I have a pastor, uh, blah, 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 but I don't have a career. I don't have a, a mentor in my career. But because you've heard that word, you just went on Monday. From Monday, some of you all reach out to you on LinkedIn. I see that you're doing something, blah, 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 blah. You know, do you? So it's, the word of God is not like... 
uh, it just goes out that way. Yes. And uh, you are hoping and wishing that uh, maybe it will be this. No. No, God's word is not necessarily diagnosis of the atmosphere. The word of God is to you. So it's not like, okay, let's pick words in the atmosphere and let's address it. It is first God, I don't know how God does it, like God speaking to every one of us and he's saying what you are understanding and he's telling you that I will work this thing out. And some of, you, some of us, it will even be from this service. You just, it will start clicking. Amen. Amen. And so I, I want us to know that God is a serious businessman. You know, very intentional. God is very, very intentional. Not just intentional when you're in trouble to get you out of the trouble. You know, like uh, Pastor Edara said this morning, you know, God's advice is not when you have sports, everything. Actually, that's a strong word because our natural self uh, will not even appreciate that there's something outside until it's not going as planned anymore, like you've spoiled everything. You know? Your life can still be fresh, and yet you, are, you have already succeeded. Mm. Bible says, in the multitude of cancels or cancelers, there's safety, meaning there's possibility that before you even started that journey, they've guaranteed your end. Yes. So it's not maybe when you are on that journey already and you now see yourself in danger, then you're now quickly doing 911 to all your emergency, uh, contacting people and saying, oh, I need counsel at this time. Hallelujah. And so please, whenever we receive the word of God, let's know that God is a performer of his word. He's not like our earthly kings. He's a performer of his word. There's actually more going on than you're even hearing. But they need you to hear. Because from you hearing, you will believe. You know, that's what I told the disciples. He said, now you have come to believe that which you have heard or known. So if you don't hear, you can't believe. Actually, if nobody is even sent to preach to you, you won't hear. So it's not a thing to even rationalize, oh, how many people are speaking to us? Or whether it's on air, the people God has sent to the body of Christ. No, you will need speakings to hear. You will need to hear to believe so that God can perform the things he has said to do in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good, right? God is good, right? And so let me, uh, I don't have a lot of time. Uh, Sorry, please. I'm looking for the salmon. (laughs) <laughs> Amen. 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 And so this morning, uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We seek to prosper. We seek to hear as well, God. We pray you will speak to us as we have sung that you are the manner that we need. Lord, we have gathered as a people And we look to you alone. We do not look to our circumstances. We do not look to the pressures. But we look to you alone. Like that serpent that was raised in the wilderness and became the 
the, the antidote for the bitings of the serpent on ground. Lord, we look to you for help this morning. As you've helped us in the first service, we know that you are willing and able to help us again. Thank you, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, have we prayed. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so this morning, we'll be looking at living a fruitful life. Living a fruitful life. You know, in the previous week, we've had uh, Pisa teach us how to be great. Now, whenever you are hearing direct words, um, it's so. Uh, it's not a want of word, and it's not uh, uh, a vain speech. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, li- living a fruitful, a fruitful life. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's look at Genesis 1.28. And we have a lot of scriptures to read, and so we'll be fast, please. First, sorry, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing, that moves on earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, this, I mean, practically every one of us who are familiar with this uh, command, or you can say blessing, that God placed on man after man was created, right? God told man that be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. They are almost similar I mean, to multiply or to be fruitful is, is, is a similar... It can be used uh, interchangeably, yeah. And so, God told man after man was created. And we also found a similar pattern. Uh, if we go back to... Let's back, back it up a bit, maybe to 20. Then God said, uh, this after he had created the light and separated them, to day and night. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creature and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of heaven. So God created great sea creatures and every living things that move with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them. So the, the great water creatures, the, 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 the birds, uh, the water bodies themselves, then God said something to the things he had filled into the water and into the sea and the birds. And he said to the animals, let's just put it that way. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea. Now, this is God's plan for when he created the bird, the eagle, or the fish, the salmon, the whale. And um, the, the thing we see today in nature is nature responding to this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is, is nature responding to this? Be fruitful 
and multiply. You, you, you can say it, it was God looking at that which he had created and he provided uh, a room for it to keep flourishing and then he blessed it. He said, be fruitful. Let's go on, please. So, the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So, we now moved into the main, uh, I think the sixth, but before then. He said, then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. Now, whenever Bible uses the phrase, its kind, it's usually intentional. Uh, you don't produce after another kind. Do you get my point? Now, all this breeding exercise that you see man attempt, actually, breeding started from, uh, we breeding maybe animals, and we have now successfully moved into breeding humans, you know, where you, whatever was, was looking normal before, can we just cross, pollinate it, and see what will come out of it? We've heard scientists do uh, atrocious things that you, you won't even find in the media. You get, and so whenever Bible uses its kind, it's very intentional, you know, so that you don't look for fruitful or fruitfulness and multiplication in another kind. For example, for example, uh, he didn't say the Yahoo boy should be fruitful and multiply. Did you get, or the, the one that cheats to be fruitful? No, no. So you have to be mindful of what's my kind. So if, if the bird is hoping to increase in the order of the bulldog, that's not its kind. Did you get my point? Do you understand what I'm saying? So whenever the Bible uses its kind, you know, don't quickly gloss over it. It's a question of what's my kind? What's, who am I? What's, what am I meant to produce? Uh, in what order am I meant to produce? After what order? Because many a times our expectations go beyond our order. Do you get my point? You know, it's just like when you just see your third line is yacht now, that is in his birthday, and you just start troubling the gates of heaven. <laughs> do, you, do you understand us? So you need to understand your kind. And this thing sorts pressure. It sorts pressure. It's, it reduces your pressure for not being happy when you see another man successful, even though you are also successful. Do you understand? And so understanding your kind understanding the, you, you can look at it as the frame of your manifestation. Do you get? It's very helpful so that the one that is out and the one that is in uh, will not be less fruitful. The one that is on the field, the one that is in the home will not be less fruitful. So when you, when you understand the kind in which God has destined, you know, when uh, Pastor Either I mentioned plan and purpose. You know, that's where they've locked your kind. So as you are researching what's my purpose, what's my plan, you will see your kind. You will see the frame of your appearance. You, you will know that you wouldn't appear this other way. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And this is actually prestigious. This is the arrogance of a Christian. Because you understand your kind. Any Christian that loses the understanding of, and this also speaks to identity as well, but I won't use that phrase. Um, but when a Christian loses this understanding, compromise is the next thing. Yes, you know, yes. you compromise every 
everything. Hallelujah. So, and cattle and the creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. Um, I think also in the experience of uh, Noah, it also said they came into the ark, uh, uh, I think two by two. I think he used the phrase as well, kind as well, but don't, don't go there. Don't go there. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind. Cattle according to its kind. You know, it's like God giving us uh, limits that if, if I'm going to create this thing, it has, um, it has its own framework. And everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, so I think this was when we all came into the, into the list. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the earth, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in his own kind. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them. So this was our own participation in that blessing. You know, it would have been a cheat if God told animal, be fruitful and multiply, and he told us to have dominion over what would be fruitful and what we multiply, and which we didn't collect our own, uh, our own share. You know, some of us could have thought we can do inheritance. If you are a coding person, you know, when you inherit something, you just morph the characteristics. No, no. He gave us our own. He said, as a man that you are, that you would exercise dominion over, you know, you would ride all these things, but yet you have your own portion. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish. I think they mentioned this dominion thing again. Have dominion over the fish, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Please go ahead. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be food. The last verse there. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Okay, there's 31. Is this the last verse? Okay. okay. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And I think we, are, we all agree that God rested on the seventh, on the seventh day. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we can see here that before man became anything, man had a blessing upon him. Man had a commandment upon him. Uh, man was told to be fruitful and to multiply. Man was told to what? Help, help, help him. He's, he's on. Uh, he's gone off. Not on. He's, he's off. Help, help your brother. Please always look out for the person next to you. 
Because the sleep that has caught him can catch you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I remember those days when we always do video uh, in school then. He would have gone. But by the time they raise the last prayer point, you just wake up. And your, your tongue will be disturbing everybody. Yeah. I remember the brother too that said, uh, if you sleep in this meeting, you are possessed. Ah. So he was the first person to lead his own prayer. But after the vigil, they just said, Bro Taiwo, can you please share the grace for us? Bro Taiwo. Bro Taiwo. Bro Taiwo is manifesting. <laughs> They have, they have caught Brotaiwo. <laughs> and it's always good to humble yourself. You don't, you don't know what you can do. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so, God placed the commandment on man to be fruitful. Now, this was before man did anything. Before man exercised any possibility. What could become of man? I mean, your, the destiny was locked up in God. But the obvious prospect was nothing. It was dust. Right? There wasn't, uh, God didn't see, um, or we were not told that God saw that uh, this is the possibility of man. The trust was, he created him in his image. Now, same also, everything that was created was created after their own kind. Meaning, there's a frame of expression for everything that God has created. And so, God banked on that possibility that I have created this thing in my image, and so I decree upon it fruitfulness and multiplication. Hallelujah. And so this was before man did anything. This is so gracious of God. You know, this wasn't after we, uh, we measured up to anything. Hallelujah. And this is how God also expresses destiny. You know, when he told Jeremiah, you know, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nation. You know, God confers blessing before we see the obvious. Before we start seeing the guy looking like a prophet. Or someone that might go to the school of the prophet. And so, fruitfulness is a state when a thing or a person is producing good results in his kind. Please, don't lose that, uh, that thought. Thank you, sir. Good results profitable, but the one I want us to hold on to as a definition of fruitfulness is bearing fruit in abundance. Fruitfulness is when a thing is bearing fruit in abundance. That's fruitfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we could see here in the beginning, God dealt with man with that type of conversation. God related with man as a man that is destined to be fruitful and to what? To multiply. Meaning, God's relationship with man is such that man would bear fruit in abundance. In abundance. And so when, when God expressed this desire as a blessing, God literally stayed there. You know, it wasn't like God told you be fruitful and multiply and then God came to reality. Now, can this guy really be fruitful and can he really multiply? Oh, he's born in Nigeria. Can he actually attain his kindness? Do you understand? It wasn't that God uh, 
said that and it was like, what have I gotten myself into? Like, what have I got? And so God stayed in a place where I can say God now started or stayed in a place of desire and wanting everything he created to be fruitful. So this set, out on, this set God on an expectation, meaning wherever God sees a thing he created, there is an expectation of fruitfulness. When he looks at me, when he looks at you, uh, with the eye of love, but with the eye of fruitfulness, that this that I have created was its kind. Please don't lose, you would, you would understand later this kind thing. Meaning, the, the day you are not producing after your kind, there's, there's a problem. There's a problem. And the problem can be so devastating. So please don't lose that it's kind. Because every of God's expectation is coming from there. How and why did I create this thing? Is it producing in that order? Is it producing in that kind? Now, if there's no kind, then there can be expectation. Like, if God just created and said, be fruitful and multiply, to what extent? What is measurable? What is 30? What is 60? What is 100? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so in the beginning, we saw that God dealt with man, saying that man should be fruitful. But we also noticed that after the fall of man, this blessing became, uh, or this blessing was now attached to a condition. So the fall, Adam fell, Adam was brought into the scene, fell, Mankind was dragged into the old kasala, fell. The conversation of fruitfulness and multiplication now became a thing that was attached to a condition. And uh, I, w- I want us to go to Deuteronomy 7. Some of us are very familiar with Deuteronomy because we know it's a book of curse and blessing. So whenever your guardian is angry and they just turn to the terrain, just run out of the house. Just run. And maybe a part of Malachi. There's one in that Malachi that my dad used. Like we know where to find the Baba things in the Bible. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And so Deuteronomy 7, 12. 12, please. Let me check my time. Then it came to pass because you listened to this judgment and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep you with the covenant and the mercy which he swore to you, he swore to your fathers. Go on, please. We are going to 16. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain, your new wine, your oil, the increase of your cattle, And the offspring of your flock, in the land of which he swore to your fathers to give you, you shall be blessed above all. Now, don't forget, all this blessing is layered on that you obey his judgment and his commandment. You shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away 
from you all sickness, and we afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but we lay them on all those who hate you. So all of you that always say, my haters, my haters, you can see what is coming up on haters. So please just leave them and uh, see what God will do. Amen. Amen. And you shall destroy all the people whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will, for that will be a snare to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's also go to Deuteronomy 8, 11, 20. So please just follow me. There's a way I will connect this to the experience of the fig tree. Please just follow me. Beware. Uh, yeah, 11 to 20. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandment, his judgment, and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty lands where there, were, there was no water, who brought, out, uh, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that it might humble you and that it might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve and worship them, I testify against you this day, meaning I swear that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you will not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. And so God now hinged Fruitfulness and multiplication on obedience. Now, there wasn't a thing like this until man fell disobeying God. You know, very interesting. God decreed man to be fruitful and multiply, not on the prospect of anything. But here we can see that for the children of Israel to enjoy the blessing of God, there was now all this condition. You now have to obey if you don't obey, forget Genesis 128. You know, if you, if you will not obey the judgment or the commandment of God, forget it. Now, you know, we always tell ourselves that man, this, this is old covenant, uh, blah, 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 and all of that. So let's read New Covenant. <laughs> In the book of New Covenant, John chapter 15. Amen. Chapter 15, we'll read from verse 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Now, there's an expectation here. You should bear fruit, right? It takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, it prunes, that he may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. And so this was Jesus also saying that for you to be fruitful, my own is not commandment, judgment. My own is abide in me. And so we saw here that God in restoring us back to the promise in Genesis. Because I've heard teachings that said, once Jesus came, we're taken back to before Adam. So before you jump like that, <laughs> before you jump like that, they've put our feet on the ground here. That yes, we know that God, Jesus came to restore us back to the Father. So that we can claim, you know, like some people said, the, the, the cloud was very low that if you wanted to eat, we had things as children. You know, you just pluck fruits from... So we're really angry with Adam. That why did Adam take away all that beauty? You know, you just want to eat a banana, just pull down like this, and you, would, and you would eat. And so before you tell yourself that you are back to Genesis 1.28, Jesus says here that... For you to bear fruit and multiply, you need to abide in me. Let's read on. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, now, quickly put in your kind in that previous, uh, in that previous, so that when you're asking for ten dollars yet, if it's not in your kind. No, no, let's go back to that previous. Verse 6. Verse 6, verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gathered... Uh, no, no, sorry. Go to 7. 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire according to your kind. You can see why some prayers were not answered. Even though you abide, you abide, you abide, you abide, you abide. <laughs> and you would ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You know, as a young believer, I'd run into blockers with, you know, asking what you desire. And you not getting that which you desire. It's, it's, it's the contention of a lot of believers. You know, you say you ask the Lord for this, but... There's, there's, there, we never ask ourselves the question of, was this asked in the, was this part of the curriculum? Like, is this part of the plan? Is this part of the purpose? Is this after, would this not result in me being another kind? 
Do you understand? And so just, you know, understand that your prayers themselves are not prayers in themselves. They have to result from your understanding of what you are to do, where you're coming from, where you're going to. Hallelujah. The last verse, please. But this, my father is glorified. Now, he says here that what brings glory to God is that you bear much fruit. Now, God's desire is that we are fruitful. But we can see here that Jesus didn't just allow us to escape and just go back to Genesis 1.28 without condition. He says, for you to fulfill the glory of the Father, you have to abide in me. And so you can literally write this down first. You know, the first point of living a fruitful life is abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. This is I even said. It's not even in my notes. Abide in Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. It's like I will do chariot of fire of Philip to Ekitio. Amen. Amen. Are we writing that down? Yes. Abiding in Jesus is your route to fruitfulness. You would easily fulfill the joy of the Father if you abide in Christ. If you abide in Him and Him in you, you will be fruitful. You will be fruitful. Now, I want to quickly digress a bit, but not completely digressing. I want to say that fruitfulness is a tool for discernment itself. Fruitfulness. Now, as much as it's an end, it's a means. Did, did you get that? As, as, because it's, it's like when you're doing something, the end of it is, was it fruitful or not? Did you get as much as it's an end, it's also a means. Fruitfulness is a tool for discernment. Let's go to Matthew 7, 15 to 20. Laya, can we run a little bit? Huh? Thank you. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are rav- ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree Bears good fruit, but a bad tree. Be- no, no, no. You have changed the version. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Go on, please. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. This is like an, they're saying like this is an abomination. Every tree that does not bear fruit. Good, bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. The last verse. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Now, Jesus is telling us here that when transacting with men, use fruitfulness as a weapon for discerning that relationship. That transaction, fruitfulness is your weapon of discernment. That, that engagement that you are having that relationship, that career, you, you can discern while you are, it's not at the end that whether, oh, was this fruit, was this a fruitful engagement with this person or not? No, but before that, you can, 
look to the other for fruitfulness as you engage in that process. Meaning if I'm, if I'm in a conversation with you and you are really affirming a thing, you're saying this is what will work, even though we've not tried it, right? The reason for trying it, you can rest it on the litmus test of fruitfulness. For example, for example, if somebody has his first business deal, they scammed him, his second business deal, he failed, and the person is the one giving you business tips. No, you, you know that that will most likely fail. They might even scam you. <laughs> Failing is different from scamming you. Scamming is double failure. Because there's no reward, there's no capital. That's scam. Amen. And so you can use fruitfulness to decide whether to go on a journey with a person. You can use it as a tool for discernment. You can use it as a tool for determining your level of engagement with a person. Hallelujah. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 from verse 43. Just two verses, 43 and 45. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. So you can see here that to identify yourself, it is legal for us to demand your fruit. For you to say that you will disciple X, Y, Z. Your fruit validates that statement. For you to decree a thing over us, the fruit is a justification for that exercise. He says, for men do not gather figs from tongues, saying the same thing he said in Matthew, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. Now, for many of these descriptions, if you're not in Israel, you may not understand, uh, or maybe the middle, uh, the middle East side. They are all they had all those connotations. For example, you don't see fig in Lagos. Do you get my point? Or, uh, my said? Bramble. Okay, on bramble. Bramble bush. Okay. Uh, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart... Is the mouth speaks. So you can see here that when somebody says, I have good intention, and you're not seeing good intention, it's just run away. You get, you don't know my heart. Oh, no, actually, we, ask, we can see your heart. That's, so it says, out of the multitude in your heart, we see. You know, maybe you tell your HOD, and if you don't know that I have the best intention, no, no, no. We are not seeing, you've destroyed the first uh, gadget they put in your hand, the second gadget, and you're saying, ah, no, no, no. It can't just go like that. You get something is wrong. <laughs> something is wrong. And so fruitfulness is a tool for discernment. Fruitfulness is a tool for discernment. Actually, God even uses it to increase your stewardship. He says if you are faithful in, in another man's business, how will they commit yours into your hand? He says if you are faithful in a little, more will be committed into your hand. Faithfulness, fruitfulness. You can't be faithful and not be fruitful. Now, if you read the, the, the story of the parable of the talent, it's a description of faithfulness, but layered on fruitfulness. Give him a five, increased it by five, made it ten. Give him a three, increased it by three, made it six. And the other guy that was not faithful was not fruitful. 
And God even said, if you are wise, you would have taken it to where they can just even make it fruitful. They would just bank, take it to the bank. They would, they would, it would yield interest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so please don't forget this, that in your engagement with people, in your engagement, in your ministry, in your career, use fruitfulness as a basis for the conversation. Use it. Use it. If someone is saying, come, come work for us, uh, we have uh, this prospect, you can easily say, what have you guys done? It's good, though. Don't always just run. I remember some years back, I was supposed to get into an engagement with uh, a company and merely just asking what they've done in the past, reviewed a lot around their books. Their books was <laughs> in terror, not terrible, terror. Like, I didn't even know accounting, but I knew there was hell. Like, I, I don't know, I am not an accountant. But just seeing the books, uh, they will carry all of us. So, <laughs> away. Even though what they promised that salary, ah, it can numb my head. Like, oh, maybe before they come and catch all of us, I would have run in pool. But I just told myself, no, 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 no. You know, so fruitfulness was the basis of me exiting that conversation. So it's, it's, it's real. You, you, you can't, they can't tell you you are too sensitive to what you can know. You are seeing that there's an antecedent. This guy has been like this consistently. No, it won't change on you. Do you get my point? Amen. Amen. And so let's go back to the demands of God. God demands fruitfulness, right? Everywhere God, I'll run now because my time is out. Everywhere God has made an investment of sowing, pruning, watering, he desires and demands fruitfulness. So when God sees a thing that he has created, there's an expectation that is placed on it, which is be fruitful and multiply. Now, we've understood the dynamics that happened after the fall, which was in the old covenant, God placed it on the fulfillment of the commandments. Is when you guys obey the commandment, I will bless you. But in the New Testament here, we found out that Jesus said, no, no, no. It's you abiding in me and high in you, then you will bring glory to the Father by bearing fruit, much more fruit. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And so let's go to two parables. We'll look at those two parables and then uh, we'll trust God to uh, help us, you know, wrap this up as well. So let's, first of all, let's go to the, the parable of the barren fig tree. That's Luke 13 from verse 6. Amen. Amen. So this is why I said uh, we would understand a little concept about the fig. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came seeking fruit on its own and found none. So let's, let's just, no, no, go back there, please. So he says there's, there's a man. Uh, this is a parable. But he says there's a, there's a man. He had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard. And all he did was that he was always coming back to seek fruit on it, and he found none. Let's, let's go on. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, so there's another man in the scene here, the keeper of the vineyard. So there's the, there's, the, there's the owner of the vine, and there's the keeper of the vine, or the vineyard. Look, for, look, for three years, I have been coming. Let me go that way. 
I have come seeking fruit. Meaning this guy has been coming steadily for three years. I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? Now, guys, thank God this parable was in the Bible. And this connotes a lot of things. One is, God is very serious about his investment in your life. You know, he said, why does he use up the ground? Like, he go and waste the resources. You know, like the way Papi always say, why should God keep you an extra one minute on this earth? Like, what value are you adding to them in heaven? That they should not just take you out of the scene. So the owner of the vine told the keeper, cut it out. Cut it down. Like, this guy is using up the ground. Like the nutrients that should probably be for other people. This guy is just taking up the nutrients and have been coming for the past three years seeking for fruit and I find none. Now, in those three years, there had been seasons. Meaning, I might come in the season of the harvest. I might come in the season of the, maybe when it's raining or when it's sunny. Every time I had come here, this fig did not even respond. He said, cut it down. Then the keeper here dialogued. He says, but he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year. Also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. Now, whenever I read this, I told myself, this, the keeper said, I feel it for me. By the time I dig around it and fertilize it very well, you can come back again. Emma Mubia, a mini farmer, and so, and if it bears fruit, well, but if not, uh, master, a little prospect, we can cut it down. Now, this parable does not rule out the possibility of being cut down. It does not say that uh, if they look to you and you're not fruitful and they first of all threaten you with cutting you down and a mediator comes in and says, uh, don't cut it down, but still it didn't rule out the conversation of whether we cut it down or we don't cut it down. Now that suggests that there is something that we can't compromise. Your essence of standing is that you bear fruit. But not bearing fruit puts you at the risk or puts this tree all the time at the risk of being cut down. This is a serious pressure. Now, the way we would live our lives, it would be as though if we are not bringing fruit. You know, it's just like, you know, the way we serve in church, it's very much the way we serve in the office. Because, you know, there's PIP. There's performance improvement plan that if you don't perform... (laughs) After the PIP, they will catch you. They will sack you. You know, they will sack you. And so, when you know that there's no threat of cutting down, there's no risk. Like, ah, it's service unto the Lord. And yet, Babi is asking you, to the unity. We are not seeing what this guy is doing. And so, okay, Babi, just wait. By the time I put him in this, um, this, if he's just holding the camera all the time, Papi would. But Papi, if he does not still do, let's, let's cut the guy down. So you can see that there's alliance over your cutting down or not, you being cut down. And you don't even have a side. 
that is neutral on you being cut down. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go on. Oh, no, no, no. I think it's six to nine. Amen. And so there's, a, there's, there's time for everything. And protracted, continued unfruitfulness should be frowned against. Protracted, continued unfruitfulness. No, no, I probably guess the first year, the divine owner will be so like, wow, I can't wait for this thing to bring forth fruit. I can't wait for this thing to bring forth fruit. Second year, what's happening? Third year, what's happening? Then the fourth year, he got to this height and he said, cut this thing down. And they gave an extension of another year. So there is time. So you don't, you don't, you can't excuse continued unfruitfulness. You can't, you can't excuse it, particularly when you look at your life, you see something that is not being fruitful over time. You can't just leave it that way. You have to make a decision. Hallelujah. Then I wrote here, seek instruction, particularly on whether to take another step when you keep seeing unfruitfulness in a certain area of your life. Seek instruction. Seek advice. Seek counsel. Seek advice. You know, you've kept doing the same thing and you're getting the same unfruitful result. Then don't do the same thing again. Seek advice. Seek advice. See, protracted unfruitfulness would only lead that thing or you yourself being cut down. That thing is at the risk of being terminated completely. You know, Jesus said, the branch that does not bear fruit. It's not that we would consider. They didn't even discuss mercy. There's no mercy seat for it. It will be cut down, packed together with his fellow unfruitful uh, playgroup and cast into the fire. Amen. Amen. So let's read the last parable, the wicked vine dresser. Matthew chapter 21, 33 to 45. Hallelujah. Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it. He dug a wine press in it and built a tower. These are all investments made in that vineyard. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, when vintage time drew near, please who can help us with this word vintage? Vintage time or vin- yeah. Does anybody know? Uh, big shot. Is big shot around? Ah, I don't see him. I think I saw Gabriel. Or can you give us another version? He says, at the time of ripe harvest. At the time, no, no, I saw the grape. Yeah. At the time of grape harvest. Can you check maybe NIV? Or maybe amplified. So when, I think he's just talking about the exact perfect timing. Let's go back to our KJV. When the fruit season drew near, Sent. Okay, let's go back to our KJV or NKJV. Oh. Let's open our Bibles. <laughs> Matthew 21. Matthew 21, 
from verse 33. Here another parable. Okay, let me read 34. Now, when vintage time drew near, when the harvest time came, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. So you could see here that he got to a point in time where the owner of the vine that listed to the vine dressers sent his own servant to go get the fruit. Meaning all the while, when he listed out, his expectation was that he would come back for the fruit. Uh, but here our vine dressers became very mischievous. So he said, and the vine dressers took his servant, beat the first one, killed him, stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. These are very, very wicked people. But that's not even what catches my attention, is the persistence or the, the intentionality of the vine owner. He's like, I'll get this fruit at all costs. So he sent another set of servants. And Bible says here, they did likewise to them. You know, whenever you hear likewise, in the same manner. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine dresser saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Like, how do you even lease out to somebody like this? So they took him, cast him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Therefore, you know, I, I told, when I was reading this, I told myself, don't be emotional yet. The exercise is not the killing or the not killing. This guy, the vine owner, is focused on the fruit. He didn't mind the kill too. Sent more servants, they killed them. Sent his son. The goal is to get the fruit. Therefore, when the owner of the vine dresser comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? I mean, if you were the vine owner, what will you do? They said to him, he would destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render him the fruit in their season. So the conversation here is about we will give you fruit or we will not give you fruit. And so God, God is not unjust to demand fruit from you. He had built a tower around you. He had made an investment on you. He is just to make a demand for fruit. Hallelujah. And so Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scripture, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our sight. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing fruit. He's always, see, it's, for God is taluma for me fruit. So they don't mind taking that place where they planted that fig tree that wasn't, they don't mind taking it out and putting another. And so Jesus said here that the nation that is not bearing fruit, it will be taken away from them and be given to another nation that will bear fruit. So if any man says, God, my life will bring you fruit. Because that's what brings glory to him. Yeah. That's what Jesus said. Yeah. He says, by this, God is glorified. The Father is glorified by us bearing much fruit. Yeah. And so, Jesus said here that the parable means that the, the kingdom of God will be taken from the person that does not bring fruit and steals muzzles and kills his servant 
and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind to powder. Now, when the chief priests and Pharisees heard these parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. And so God is just. You know, unfruitfulness can cause the falling away, the cutting down, you know, the absolute destruction, uh, sorry, please, of a thing. You know, like we read in Matthew. And fruitfulness itself is a serious business to God, like I said. Even those who do not acknowledge him knows that. Remember that guy with one talent? He says, I know you reap where you did not sow. The guy who understands that God did reap. <laughs> but his statement is wrong as per where did not sow. God reaps. God desires fruit everywhere. Like if you are the child that gives him fruit, you are his best party. Because you are bringing glory to him. So he's not, he's not an austere man. Unrealistic. No, he's, he, he has built a tower around you. He has built fountain around you. He has built resources around you. So he, he has provided what would naturally bring forth fruitfulness. You know, let's go to Matthew seven nineteen. So he says here, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So you can see here that fruitlessness or not being fruitful over the things God has committed into your hands is at the, is at the expense of you losing it. You lose all. It's not like they even they manage it. They cut it down completely to its roots. Can we go to Matthew 21, 18? I'm looking for the last place I want to read. Yeah, I think that's it. So this is where I want us to wrap up. Now in the morning, as he returned to, to the city, he was hungry. So this was Jesus. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And said to it, let no, f- <laughs> let no fruit grow. This is like an innocent... Like, this victory will be wondering, why did Jesus even pass here? Like, you should have passed another street. What's my own with you? This is like God bragging about his demanding for fruit. He just passed a random street. I put my fruit in bear. Because the fruit in bear, oh yeah, big boy. That, like, that's, like, is if you are in the community of fig trees, you'll be like, hey, this guy has entered it. Oh. <laughs> he said, let no fruit grow on you Ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. Now, in the scriptures that followed this, Jesus explained the power of authority. But I also came to learn that there is a reason why this experience went this way. This wasn't just a showmanship of authority alone. There's another lesson here. Because people, if you, if you were in the shoe of this fig tree, what would have become your story? Like, how would we have analyzed, like, was it that God was just, God used your scapegoat to exercise authority? No, no. But actually, God is just. So I went a little bit to research on fig tree. And it says here that, you know, the fig tree is a pear-shaped fruit 
and uh, is much used for orientals for food. Uh, the young ones are especially very priced because they are sweet. Uh, the fruits. So this is the, this is the main gist. So for a fig tree, the fruit appears before its leaves. So when Jesus saw that fig tree, he believed very much that this tree has gone through cycles of season without producing anything. And it didn't have any grace to still remain. So the fig tree, it's own, you know, normally in your normal trees, leaf comes out first, then you now see the fruit on the leaves. But for the fig tree, the fruit is the first thing that comes out. So by the time you see the leaves, it should be that the fruit has come out already. And so for Jesus to exercise that it was a clear sense of unfruitfulness that God cursed. So this unfruitfulness that we are joking with is a serious, did they go visit you? I, <laughs> no, 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 I'm sure, I mean, did they go come to your home? Let me put it like, <laughs> the way you heard the visit is like, no, no, I mean like, the day he comes to your home, he comes visiting, and then his unfruitful walks off everywhere. So Jesus had a right as to that exercise. It was a clear breaking of protocol. I created this thing in a kind. Because that's a kind. That's not normal for fruits to come before the leaves. So if, if there's any fig that grows leaf first, and say, hey, Jesus said, Duro, my fruit is still coming. No, that's not how we created you. Your kind is that you bring forth the fruit first, then the leaves after. And so when Jesus saw it, Jesus said, this should be cut down. Like, this should not even exist anymore. Whatsoever season this had gone through, this is no longer acceptable. And Jesus cursed, cursed this. So, if you go into the New Testament and the Old Testament, the many places that the fig leaf was used, they were used to describe a great sense of prosperity and profitability. So, it's, it's an abnormal thing that happened that day. Like, every time they've always known fig tree as, if they want to mention an example of you will prosper, you will flourish, they'll go to the fig tree. They'll say, as this fig tree is, so shall you be. So when you just saw one without fruit, but with leaves, this is abnormal. Amen. Amen. And so, God is right about the blessing he has put upon us. When he says, be fruitful and multiply, he has, he has proclaimed his blessing. And God didn't just even stop at that blessing. There are resources that God has put around us. God didn't just leave us that, oh, abide, Laulo, abide in me on your own. He put me in a local assembly. He put me under the oversight of pastors, over the oversight of teachers of the world. He's putting a lot, putting mentors in my life is right to demand fruit. Is yeah. right to come and say, I need the fruit. He is not an austere man or a man that he reaps where he does not sow. No. He reaps quite all right. 
But it's not a conversation of where God has not invested, God desires harvest as well. No. He is the God of the harvest. He is the giver of seed. He is the giver of grain. If the giver of rain. So God understands that these are the things that are needed for you to be fruitful. You know, many a times we need to always spot the, 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 the godly investments in our lives. You know, what has God put in me to ensure the end remains fruitful? Don't forget what I said around uh, fruit, uh, fruitfulness, which should be used as a litmus test for discernment. All, all your engagement, you are fine to... Because that's also the way God transacts. Is that this has to be fruitful because I have proclaimed a blessing of fruitfulness and a blessing of multiplication on this thing. And so when we look at our lives, when we look at our engagement, you know, we, 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 we take a zero tolerance for anything that is having protracted, continued unfruitfulness. We, we, at times we sit down and we tell the thing, if you don't get fruitful, you will be cut down. It's not, it's not a threat as much as it is. Because the God of heaven, our Father, also desires fruit. This is what brings him glory. You might think your life being just going on a flat is bringing him glory. No, it's the fruits that bring him glory. And so you engaging and trusting God that what has been unfruitful thus far becomes fruitful is a right engagement. That you are tired of unfruitfulness is that you are living well. Because the day your father visits and sees an abnormality, you know, Bible says whatsoever tree that the father has not planted. The, the idea is if I see something that is not behaving, responding in its own kind, it will be taken out. I leave us with this word of grace. And I say to us that we're a people that God is destined for great things and being fruitful is not out of our scope. We have to be like our master. We seek for fruit in all of our engagement. See, if you're a businessman and you run at ground, run at loss, and you're not mindful of becoming profitable or you're not a businessman, the reason why they call you a businessman actually is because you are for profit. Yeah. That's why they call you for profit business or not for profit. It's, it's that you seek fruit. Yeah. You know, if your direct reports are just working, they're not bringing fruit to you, this, this is, is worrisome. Mm-hmm. And so for God as well, a life that is not fruitful um, will be cut down. A life that is not bringing fruit to God will be taken out. We will do all that we can we will do all that God brings to our hearts to ensure that this life stays fruitful to God. This life stays bringing glory to God. This life stays in a place where um, we will not muzzle or kill the servants that are sent to our vine to, to, to harvest. No. Because we know that we are, we are blessed and out of the abundance is what they are coming to take. And so it's, it's, not, it's, not a, it's, not, it's not for fight. God desires fruit. And he will come for fruit. Now, he won't stay just with the desire. He will come. 
for the fruit. You can see his dexterity and his ambition at ensuring he gets across into where he had planted. And he had to escape all the wicked vine dressers. Yes, he will. He will risk it all to get the fruit. He can even exchange kingdom just because he wants a nation that will bring fruit. It's a serious business. I pray the Lord will bless us in Jesus' name.